Welcome to Greenways, a podcast sharing stories and equipping real-world Jesus followers to see the kingdom of God break into the vocational space where they lead. Hey world, my name's Gareth. I'm Johnny. And welcome to Greenways podcast, our inaugural runout. Very exciting. Absolutely, absolutely. And marginally terrifying as well, mostly for listeners. So, introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name's Gareth. I am married to the wonderful Lara. We have three kids, Karis, Archie and Lily. And uh, yeah, we're living around the corner from Orangefield Presbyterian Church because I am the minister there. Yep, I'm Johnny. I'm 31. I'm married to Naomi. And when I married her, she became Naomi Campbell. I don't think Excellent. she knew. I don't. I don't think she was aware. I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she was aware. I think you know it. It gives away your age a little bit if you know the African American supermodel, but it does attract a lot of friend requests on Facebook from different parts of the world. People who don't recognise the difference. So um, yeah, we live in East Belfast, the Castlereagh Hills, or the Braniel, depending on who's asking. And I feel like when you introduce yourself, you're always asked for an interesting fact about yourself. Tell so me your interesting fact. I, I can tell you're dying to do this. It's always the same. You know, whenever I was seven years old, I won a lifetime supply of energy-saving light bulbs on Blue Peter. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to share my life-changing fact with you at the end of the show. Okay. Because <laughs> I wasn't aware that was coming up. Um, okay. Johnny, tell us what you do and a bit of your leadership experience. Sure. So um, at the moment, I lead the Alpha Northern Ireland team for Alpha UK. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the whole world of Alpha HTB. And I came through school in East Belfast and then law school at Queen's uh, back and forward for a couple of years to France. But, um, you know, it's it's. Amazing, Gareth, if you had asked me, I'm 31 now, if you'd asked me at 18, what would you love to be doing at 31? What's the dream? I think I would have described something very close to what I do at the moment. Man, you're so spiritual. At 18, if you'd asked me, I would have said playing rugby for Ireland. Um, that, that just did not happen. Um, but hey, we had fun trying. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I studied at the University of Ulster, a business and IT degree, and then spent a year in the States doing a bit of theology and a bit of youth work before coming back and getting a job as a youth pastor uh, in East Belfast here. I'm originally from down country. I'm, I'm not an East Belfast boy like Johnny is, um, but moved up here to do youth ministry for seven years and then went back to Queen's, did a, a, what did I do, a master's in divinity and went to seminary and trained to become a Presbyterian minister. So, yeah, I think we, we met about probably three and a half, three years ago, something like that. But I, I was actually speaking at an elders fellowship, something like that for you. It sounds about right. I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds uh, yeah, about right. Yeah, something like that. And I remember sort of um, chatting. We actually chatted for about half an hour and I was half an hour into the conversation before I asked you who the minister was because I assumed like you had a fairly youthful face and a bit of dress sense. And so I assumed you couldn't have been... A Presbyterian minister, but uh, I, I thought you know, being full of the Holy Spirit and um, dressing semi-trendily you know, was a requirement for a Presbyterian minister. No, 
it was on our criteria here in Orangefield anyway when we were looking for a minister. There and, you go. Um, yeah, I, I remember getting into the car that night and saying, I'm going to talk to you about your next church. And I'm, I'm not saying it was prophetic, but it was probably prophetic. Well, I remember thinking, this guy's an idiot. Uh, that, that's not true. I, I, really, I really enjoyed you that night. But that particular comment, I was thinking, I'm totally chilled, totally settled where I am. But you said that to me, and then a year later I got a phone call about potentially coming to Orangefield Presbyterian Church and started to see God's hand in the whole thing. And and here we are, two and a half years together, uh, worshipping and serving in Orangefield Church. Can you believe that? And launching a podcast. Launching a podcast. <laughs> because we've nothing else to do. Because COVID's give us yeah. all this time, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess I've kind of been in the church all my life, from baptism through League of Church Loyalty, if you have any idea what that Little is. Little blue stamps on a card for those of you who aren't <laughs> Presbyterian. Or, yeah, for those of you who are Gentiles. And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, into, uh, I guess, married in the church and into eldership. I guess uh, about two years ago, you suggested we grab a coffee somewhere. And um, and then at the last minute, you wanted to go for a run instead. I didn't want to give you an excuse to back out. Yeah, running would have been a good excuse to back out because I, I don't think I'd ever been running in my life unless there was a ball in front of me you, to chase. You were traumatised, the fact that we turned up in shorts and trainers with no football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I've tried running before and I've just spent the entire time thinking about how much I would love to stop running and how much pain and discomfort I'm in. But it, t- it turns out it gets better. It does. It takes a bit of time. Um, but w- where we live and where we worship uh, and where we work, we have the Cumber Greenway running through East Belfast. And then we have another East Belfast Greenway called the, the Smith. Wiggles, <laughs> what's it called? It's called the Marsh Wiggle Way. It's from C.S. Oh, I was Lewis. I was thinking of Smith Wigglesworth. No, Sorry, no, okay. It's not, it's not. It's not about him. Um, yeah, it's the Marsh Wiggle Way, which uh, I should I should have written from, that down somewhere. It's from one of the later books in the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, C.S. Lewis, also an East Belfast boy. Um, so we started running uh, up and down the greenways and the, the streets and the paths of East Belfast. Johnny, why, why, why did we do this? Yeah, well, I, I was asking myself that question a lot uh, when we started and um, it was just, I was just too polite to say no. But it's funny, you've joked with me before about it just it being my 30s. And I think in my teenage years, I played cricket and in my 20s, I played football. And in my 30s, you've introduced me to running and it's become... Uh, a weekly practice. I couldn't cope now. I've gone mm. from hating every minute of it. I couldn't cope if I didn't get out for a run. And I think a big part of that for me is is actually about my digital life and this kind of ubiquitous digital distraction that I'm surrounded by. I read a book um, by a guy called Cal Newport called Digital Minimalism that changed my life. And he just gave me a language and a way of understanding what I knew was happening. And since then, I've got into some of the other whistleblowers from Silicon Valley, Jaron Lanier, these guys that have pointed out that we are all, as a society, suffering from what they call solitude deprivation, which has nothing to do with the number of people you hang out with. It's, it's to do with your ability to sit inside your own thoughts and to kind of meditate and reflect and to even to be bored. Like boredom used to be a thing. It just isn't. It doesn't happen to us anymore because screens are uh, always available and um, usually just like a sort of extension of our muscle memory now. So I I run because I'm digitally exhausted and, and I need to be with my own thoughts. 
hundred percent. So that sounds very serious. I was going to say, in case anybody <laughs> thinks we're just deeply deep philosophical or maybe slightly too pretentious, uh, the the other reason we both run is because Johnny's in his thirties and I'm in my thirties plus eleven, and um, yeah. at, at this kind of midlife crisis moment in our lives, it's so easy to put on weight. Especially with the yeah. amount of takeaway food we eat. So it's about fighting that 30, 40 bulge. It is, yeah. And it's imperceptible. You know, from one day to the next, you get out of the shower, you look in the mirror and you think everything's fine. But it's, it's when you see a photograph from 15 years ago and you realise... Dude, what do you mean 15? I saw a photo of you and uh, <laughs> the, the infamous Naomi Campbell uh, on holidays in California a couple of years ago. And, it might be five. Uh, you were, Well, maybe so, but you're only <laughs> half the man you are today. <laughs> yeah. So I think we are, we're definitely going to discuss on this podcast the takeaways of East Belfast, a subject which has become like a specialist subject, I think. But listen, this isn't a podcast about running and it isn't just a podcast about about Chinese takeaways or whatever kind of takeaway you want to get. As we were running on the greenways, there was two things that started to rise to the surface in our hearts and our conversations Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing that rose to the surface for me was the last thing that I'd eaten. But um, <laughs> once I'd managed to get past that, I used to just ask you a question in the hope that you would talk for 20 minutes or half an hour um, or you would preach for an hour even because I could get some oxygen into my lungs. But once we got past that, the first thing that started to happen was uh, spiritual formation. Mm. R- running was like a means or a vehicle for spiritual formation in terms of my heart and my emotional health, spiritual health, my my family, my leadership journey, all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I think I think we live in a coffee shop culture and I don't want to say anything incriminating, but I think women are particularly good at doing life face to face. I think men need sometimes to do things side by side. And about 10 years ago, someone introduced me to the Wesleyan accountability questions. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what those are, Get on Google and look at the Wesleyan accountability questions. They're just like a a means of um, growing deeper in friendship and in accountability and in vulnerability and reality with someone. And so um, I guess the vision of those questions is that if you really want to be discipled to Jesus in practice and not just in theory, you need three things. One is you need a vision of where you are now. Mm -hmm. For real, you need a vision of where you would like to be and actually be able to articulate that um, in a way that's more than just, I want to be more like Jesus. And then the third thing is you need somebody who'll help you take the next step. And and I find like that's what we were doing as we ran. Um, yeah, totally, totally. And and the questions we were asking were, were, were really simple questions, but just they opened up real vulnerability and real trust. Uh, you know, like, what are you spending your money on? Mm-hmm. Um, how is your relationship with your wife? with your parents, with your friends? How much time are you spending online? What are you looking at online? Yep. Uh, what are you reading? What are you reading in scripture? What's God saying to you? Yeah, all good questions. I do feel a little bit convicted though. The first Wesleyan accountability question is, do I deliberately or subconsciously make myself appear more spiritual than I really am? And I think uh, the first time I read that, <laughs> it really stung, you know. Um, we talk about those things. We also talk uh, a bit about Irish League football, which um, Gareth, I, I kind of worked out very quickly. Gareth was requiring an education in. Knows, not, knows nothing about. Knows, knows nothing, nothing about. about. And um, we talked about our school days and sort of lamenting how good those were and how much we missed them. And then takeaways as well, where, yeah, where we absolutely. were eating. Absolutely. 
So that, that kind of spiritual formation element is really important to us. The other thing is we ran, uh, we, we both felt this increasing connection uh, and love for for these streets. We were running, mm-hmm. you know, down the Greenway, through the hollow, um, around the streets of East Belfast, these streets that Van Morrison, that you two sang about. And Johnny's an East Belfast boy. Um, I, I'm a country lad who's moved up to the city. And, and yet we both find ourselves falling in love with the city and and starting to dream with the Holy Spirit um, and, and, and thinking, thinking with God what it could look like for Jesus following women and men across this city who, who, who live and work and serve and lead in different vocations to recognize uh, and to step into their kingdom influence across this city, to partner with the Spirit and to pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done in every part of my life and every part of this land where we live. Yeah, it felt like it felt like a meditative practice to to sort of um, develop this rhythm of just consistently lapping the city over and over again. And I feel like I was discovering for the first time in my life the physicality of prayer, you know, mm. that sort of in the Old Testament, um, the, the blessing of God and the kingdom of God was so connected to physical landscape and geographical places and um, particularly land. And I think then you come into the New Testament and those realities are more about spiritual realities, but actually we've, we've lost touch with that idea of the kingdom breaking in in a particular place and space. And um, I think as we ran around the city, we, we were doing it almost prayerfully. You know, I love that there's a verse somewhere in the Old Testament. It talks about God hearing the conversation of his holy people and receiving it as a kind of prayer. It's definitely a minor prophet somewhere. There but you I, go. I felt like that's what we were doing as well. And, and so the, the Greenway thing was important um, to us. And that's where the name for the podcast has come from. You know, the, the definition of a Greenway or one of the definitions of a Greenway, it's a place of conservation, of recreation and gatherings that brings life and connection to the city. Uh, and we began as we formed friendship, as we ran together, as we talked, as we prayed, we, we began to think, what could it look like to create a conversational space? that was able to engage the hearts and the minds of spirit-filled Jesus followers and help them connect together and bring life to this city that we love. It's good. It's really good. Do you like I think, it? Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. I think, um, yeah, there could be a podcast in that. I think it was definitely Lara who suggested that our the rubbish we talk to each other as we run the Greenway should be a podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know whether she was teasing us or she was serious, but <laughs> I think she uh, might have been. The, 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 even the title for it came from my wife, who's much more intelligent than I am. So, guys, th- this is Greenways, and we, we love the fact you're listening in. So, yeah, I guess those were the two kind of uh, dominant threads of our conversation. One was an inward journey, looking at kind of our inner lives and what it meant to be discipled to Jesus in practice and in pattern. Uh, And then the other, an outward journey of trying to imagine what it would look like for awakening to come to the city and uh, to see the kingdom come through uh, people living out faith in their vocation and everyday purpose. Gareth, you, you're going to talk to us a little bit about uh, a trip to Athens. Tell me, tell me about Athens. 
Oh man, can you imagine getting on an airplane and going anywhere at the minute? Um, no, I'm <sighs> I'm also a little bit emotionally fragile. So I'm so could, so missing travel. If it's you could awful. avoid that, a couple of years ago, uh, we have a wonderful couple in church who are missionaries out in Athens, working amongst the refugee community out there. And I had the the joy of going out for kind of a, a week to spend some time with them and see what they were doing, meet some of their partners, and it was great. And uh, just happened to be walking down this street with a couple of friends, and it was this. This wonderful cosmopolitan feeling, uh, just loads of cafes and small businesses, beautiful part of the city. And the guy I was walking with uh, knew that part of the city. And he said, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, this was the most rundown part of Athens. There was poverty, there was homelessness, there was drug addiction just spilling over onto the streets. And uh, a couple came in and planted a business incubator, a, a, a space where they set up hot desks and encouraged entrepreneurs to come and to to dream into and to plant their businesses out of that part of the city. And within 10 to 15 years, that whole part of the city was totally transformed because mm-hmm. of the businesses there were starting. Coffee shops came in, restaurants came in, little boutique shops came in, and the whole thing started to transform. And they weren't Christians. But there was something in that story that got under my skin. It became a prophetic picture to me of... Of what could it look like if, if if Christian women and Christian men started to think with with a kingdom idea about the work that they do and the power that they have to see um, to partner with God and, and to see the, the the part of the city where they lead and, and where they work and where they serve transformed um, very gently from the from the inside out. Sometimes you, you still see quite a distinct separation in people's lives between the sacred and secular, don't you? And, and between work and maybe involvement with a church or commitment to a church, just seen as two separate spaces. Oh, massively, massively. Where did this line between sacred and secular come from? As if God isn't omnipresent and isn't working in certain areas. Um, where do we get that from? Um, like I look out at the the people in the church that I lead and, and they... They carry incredible influence across our city in, in families and in homes and businesses, um, all, all kinds of things, all kinds of things. I was reflecting on this, Johnny, and I was thinking to myself, you know, 40 odd years ago, we, we looked at um, professionals and people who who worked, but not in, in full time paid church roles. We, we looked at them and we said, OK, so you've got your job where you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. But your Christian service is the two hours that you volunteer uh, at Sunday school or at, at BB or, or making mm-hmm. the tea and coffee. It, it's your, that, that's your Christian service. Mm-hmm. And, and then we we started to think about this and uh, we, we changed the language slightly and we said, well, you're working your 40, 50, 60 hours a week uh, and that's great. Uh, and your Christian service is actually your tithe, the, the financial money that you give to resource ministry. What you're doing is not ministry, but you get to resource ministry through your financial gift. And then maybe about 20 years ago, when, when things like Alpha and Christianity Explored, all they started to come onto the scene. We started having more evangelistic conversations, thinking about how to equip people for that. Mm-hmm. And we said to these people... Um, who are working in different jobs and leading in different ways, we said, actually, you know, you have a, an evangelistic opportunity. You know, God's not just interested in the the two hours you're giving to church, but actually your coffee break and work 
your commute to work, there's opportunities for conversations. Can you share your testimony? Do you remember doing this with people? Can you share your testimony in the length of time it makes to, it takes to boil a kettle? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we've all done that. But, but I guess my realisation and the realisation of others um, has been God isn't just interested in the 10% of our time and the 10% of our money, but, but also the other 90% as well. He isn't sitting on one side of a sacred secular divide. He isn't sitting only in the 10% the couple of hours on a Sunday morning. What if God was just as interested in the work that you do and how you do it? Mm-hmm. Because the, the the tithe and the service at, at BB or in Sunday school and the sort of water cooler conversations, none of those are bad things. No, they're, they're, they're great. I mean, we, want, we want to encourage yeah. those. Absolutely, absolutely. But it, it does create... Almost inadvertently, it can create that kind of subconscious separation between yeah. the, those things that we do for and with God and then this other, um, yeah, the other 90% that uh, is kind of our own space or maybe God just isn't factored into our thinking as much or as and often I, as I, that I think that's it. That sacred secular divide thing, it isn't actually a physical location or a time location. It's a it's a mindset. It's a heart posture. It, it's your openness to the Holy Spirit in the different places and rooms that you move in. Yeah. And I, I mean, this, so obviously I know how important that whole school of thought has been to your ministry journey and leadership journey mm. and where, you know, you, you've started a preaching series, even in church, looking at all of this stuff. And I, I'm going to be honest for a minute. I mean, you've asked me to preach, to kind of open that series. And there was a lot of stuff in there that I I felt like I just hadn't yet got my head and heart around this at all. Like I was on such a journey with it. And I was probably, I know you always do this when you preach, but I was probably saying things to to people knowing that in my own life, I haven't worked this through at all. And there's still so much to kind of learn and figure out. But so Somebody said to me, when you preach, you should primarily be preaching to yourself. So, so I, I quite like that sort of thing. Yeah, but it's just this, um, I guess we probably started from that uh, kind of Genesis mandate, you know, looking at that question. What if we studied the ministry and the work and the person of the Holy Spirit, but instead of starting in the book of Acts, we started in Genesis 1 mm. and um, looked at, uh, yeah, the, the invitation to friendship with God, to partnership with God, to the purpose that we were given to cultivate and to protect and to and kind of allow the world around us to flourish and and to, cre- and to create as and well to create, and to create yeah. as well absolutely um and you know i was very struck from a number of parts of scripture that we were looking at most of all probably by that that passage in colossians that kind of says you know that in christ all things were created and in christ all things hold together and then god is reconciling to himself uh, all things in christ and it's just that that sort of um scope of redemption and reconciliation that whatever whatever has been created um, and has been kind of tarnished or broken is included in the scope of what God is reconciling to himself and redeeming which which by definition means every aspect of the work that we do or that anybody yeah, else no, we're, does. We're, we're talking about the the full-time parent we're yeah. talking about the the guy stacking the shelves in Tesco's the the person that serves you in your favorite takeaway. Uh, we're, we're talking about the dentist, the the pediatrician. We're talking about the entrepreneur starting their own business, the the venture capitalist. You know, everybody mm-hmm. ha- has potential to rediscover that 
that Genesis 1 purpose to create and to cultivate and to partner with God this side of the cross as as Jesus reconciles all things. Yeah. Not some things. Yeah. Not spiritual things, all things to himself. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, we, we spent um, this time last year, if you, re- you can even recall what life was like, we had just spent three and a half months uh, with a very focused effort and intentional campaign to pray for awakening mm. uh, in partnership with other churches in East Belfast. But that felt like, it felt like it was the dominant tone and theme almost right across the most influential parts of the Western church, didn't it? Like everybody, yeah. everybody wanted to talk about awakening. And yet... Awakening is something that starts in the church, but when you look through the history of the church, it's something that then spills out and begins to transform society as well. You you can't separate those no, two. Absolutely, John, I know 100%. Um, it, it starts in the person and then in the church and then spills out onto the streets. And at the very best moments in history where we've seen the Holy Spirit uh, move and, and bring about that awakening. It doesn't just impact individuals and congregations and denominations, but it actually impacts the whole city. And, and we see that in history. You know, we, we, we see that in the Reformation with Calvin in Geneva, where um, you know something of the love of Scripture and salvation by faith alone was rediscovered. Um, at the same time as Calvin was was writing and leading and preaching and and helping shape thought around that, he was also redesigning the city and to and just making it a better place for people to live and a more mm-hmm. wholesome place for people to live. There wasn't a separation between body and soul. It was, it was a holistic gospel. Um, you know, we, we see it with the Clapham sect. Um, you know, the the spiritual awakening that started with the ministry of the the Wesley brothers. Uh, you know, hymn writers and preachers, and the Holy Spirit moved, and Methodism was born, and and this spiritual awakening came over the whole country. Um, Move forward through a few years and you, you have men and women there who, full of the Holy Spirit, because their faith is so alive, start to to bring about real changes to society. The abolition of the slave trade, the the, the, the birth of, of the Sunday school movement and education for every child, rights for workers, rights for children, rights for women, all born mm-hmm. out of a spiritual awakening. We see it with the Moravian movement, um, where this little village of people in Germany... Um, the Holy Spirit fell on them uh, as they were praying uh, and they, they birthed this movement of 24-7 prayer that lasted 100 years. But it, it wasn't just this internal experience. It spilled out mm-hmm. and they, they sent missionaries all over the world. They actually sold themselves into slavery so they could go and, and minister and witness to to slave colonies who, who had no rights and no freedom. Um, such was their love. And, Historians say actually that the Moravians, that little small village, through that movement of prayer, had a bigger impact on world mission than, than wow. any movement has seen since. Wow. Incredible. It's just it's it's so interesting because I, I do think awakening begins in the imagination, and in my imagination, the primary paradigm has always been about inside the church. Like I see more people coming to faith, more people being discipled to Jesus, people experiencing like deep heart level transformation but it's a different thing to ride into Belfast on the glider down the Newtonards Road and be imagining what the landscape of Belfast would look like if awakening arrived 
Um, it's, just, it's just not, it's not often the way that my imagination um, runs away in terms of how I think about revival. And, and I guess that's some of the heart behind this podcast, uh, that we, we, we want to have conversations and invite people to partner with the Holy Spirit to to reimagine, if you like, an awakening of prophetic imagination. Yeah, yeah, it's, I guess, like, probably as we've um, run around the place and, uh, yeah, tried to keep up with each other and um, and all the rest of it, that those are probably the three kind of deep longings that have emerged, you know, one for renewal in myself and, and then for revitalization of the church uh, and with a capital C, the whole church, and, and then for transformation of the city through people who have a deep friendship with God, but it doesn't, it doesn't kind of stop there. They, they think and imagine in fresh ways about how their vocation could, um, yeah, be part of kingdom advancing. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Greenways podcast. Then, what's the plan? Do you have a plan? Absolutely not. Um, I, I take forty two. I think we would know that by now. Um, I think it's really important to say what we are and what we're not. If you've stuck sure. with us this far for the first twenty five minutes of this, uh, let, <laughs> let's share what you're signing up for. <laughs> sure. Um, you, you've probably worked out by now that we're not seriously intelligent people. Uh, we're a couple of guys having a bit of fun uh, and hoping to just create some space to, to inspire people. So it's not a serious cultural commentary. It's not meant to be formal Bible teaching. Uh, go see your own minister, go to your own church for that on a Sunday. Yeah, we're not uh, repping any organisation or church officially, so we're just going to have to apologise if we embarrass anyone. Absolutely. And if you know us, you'll know this already. In case you don't, we are absolutely not cool enough to have our own podcast. At least I'm not. Johnny might be, but I, I'm certainly not. I don't think I'm cool enough either. I think, um, yeah, I know the type of people with podcasts. They're usually pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we don't fit into that category at all, but we are having good fun with this first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mostly yeah. off air. Yeah. Big shout out to, to David Sproul <laughs> in the background there who's helping us uh, record this. We appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Um, so what we're going to be doing each week, uh, we're going to be alternating the, sorry, each fortnight. We're not doing every week, are we? Every other week. Well, I suppose we'll probably do a bit of recording and then we'll figure out when it's being released. Because we'll have to build like unbearable anticipation in advance of each drop. So that, that's how planned we are with this. We'll see <laughs> what happens is the plan. Yeah. <laughs> what we do know, we're going to alternate these between <clears throat> what we're calling leading out. Yeah. Where we want to equip people to think about their vocational space and leading in where we want to equip them to to think about their, their spiritual rhythm. So in the leading out space, we're going to, each time we, we, we do that, invite people who are much cooler than us, who are working in different vocational callings, to come on the show with us and to reflect on how they carry and how they create kingdom culture through their places of work. And yep. we're going to be talking to GPs, we're going to be talking to teachers, we're going to be talking to parents, we're going to be talking to entrepreneurs, we're going to be talking to those who work in fostering. We're going to be talking to politicians. Just a whole range of of people who are Christians, who are 
serving and working and leading and influencing and mm-hmm. living out their Genesis 1 mandate in 21st century Northern Ireland. Yeah. I like that you described it as a show. It's a show now. A show? Did I yeah, do that? Yeah. We're going to bring them on to the show. The show. Gosh. Oh, dear goodness. Um, so, yeah. The, and like you say, leading out and then leading in. So, I mean, I would love to make this sound really well thought through or strategic. But the, the truth is we actually just want to invite some people on who we admire mm. and look up to and uh, we see something in their leadership journey or in their ministry journey and think that must be reflective of deep friendship with God. And yeah. um, we just want to ask them about their rhythms, their practices, their habits, their inner life. And um, yeah, the, the kind of fuel that goes into their 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 leadership. So um, yeah, we've, we've people lined up who lead churches, who have retired out of full-time ministry, but are doing different things. Um, people... Uh, who are involved in uh, leading other Christian organisations. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be cool. Um, we, we hope it's inspiring. We hope it's easy listening. We hope it's fun. Um, we're not the only people doing this, so we want to signpost you to to other groups and other organisations and other gatherings and books. other podcasts and other books uh, that, that we have found really helpful and we think you might as well. And then ultimately, I think the kind of end goal will be uh, just total world domination. Excellent. So set the bar pretty low there, Johnny. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. So listen, thank you so much for um, joining us on Greenways Podcast. And we look forward to getting a chance to share with you and journey with you uh, in a couple of weeks' time. And if you have any thoughts or any comments you want to share with us, you can do it Um via our social media sites uh, that aren't set up yet but will be and we will see you all soon take care bye bye